Hi, and welcome to Daring to Leap. I'm your host, Lori Phillip. On this special Valentine's Day edition, we're celebrating love, starting with the most important kind, self-love, with the radiant Kelsey Ada. Join us to discover simple, transformative self-love practices that you can start today because your journey to a more confident, vibrant life begins with making yourself the priority. And stick around to hear Kelsey's take on affirmations and the shifts we can make that will make them more powerful and exciting. Let's dive in. Kelsey Ada is the best-selling author and alignment coach who helps women manifest their dream lives and love themselves deeply through the process. She's the author of more than five personal development books, including Hashtag Actually I Can, Affirmations for Happiness, Letters to the Universe, My Pocket Guide to Manifestation, and Self-Love for the Modern Woman. Alongside her book, she helps people via one-on-one coaching, online courses, and the popular spiritual podcast, High Vibing It. Welcome to the show, Kelsey. Thank you, Lori. I'm super excited to be here and serve your audience. Can't wait. Yeah, I'm so excited to have you here, really. And I think where we're going to get started today is I'm so curious about your career journey. What were you doing before you wrote all those books and have been talking (laughs) about self-love and all the things? Yeah, so my career journey is kind of interesting. My whole life, I was planning and preparing to be a professional dancer. So that was like my timeline and my project, my projection. But then as life would have it, I was, I got like really injured. Like my hip got messed up. My back got messed up, like major parts of my body to the point where, and this was like right before I was meant to really go pro and go to college and maybe study dance or join a company or something. And that just wasn't going to work for my body anymore. So that kind of spiraled me into like my first dark night of the soul, which eventually led to depression, which eventually led to healing, which led to me wanting to be a teacher of energetics and emotions and manifesting and self-love and healing. And what happened was I ended up becoming a cosmetologist instead of Mm. going to college because growing up as a dancer, I was always just really like girly, girly, really crafty, really artistic. People were always asking me, like, cut their bangs to cut their hair to do their makeup. And growing up Mm -hmm. when I was little, I would go to ballet class and the other moms would ask my mom, like, how do you get her bun so perfect? And my mom would just be like, I don't know, ask her like she does it herself. Ever since I was little, I was just really into beauty and just finessing the body. And so my parents luckily were super encouraging and they were like, well, since the dance thing isn't really going to be a thing and you can't really think of something you want to study in college. Like, why don't you just become a beautician? So I started like my (laughs) own little business, beautifying my friends and stuff. And eventually went to cosmetology school, got my license, became a cosmetologist. And when I was graduating cosmetology school and becoming a professional, it was kind of around the same time where I was healing from depression and wanted to start teaching people about emotions and vibration and frequency and life. And so I have kind of this parallel trajectory where I've always been a cosmetologist part-time and still am to this day. I only work two days a week at the salon. 
And then the rest of the time is what I use to write books and have a podcast and host retreats. And so it's kind of been like a parallel, like two careers for me. And Mm -hmm. for anyone who's familiar with human design, I'm a manifesting generator. So we're very like notorious for being multi-passionate, having many different streams of income, doing a lot of different things. Like we're not really meant to just choose a path and stick to it forever. So I've always been dabbling in a lot of things. And that's kind of been my career, part-time beautician, part-time healer and manifestation and self-love coach. Wow, what a, what a journey. I just love hearing everybody's stories. And there's so much power in hearing the stories of where people start off way over here and end up way over here doing something completely different because where we start is certainly not where we need to finish. Yeah. And just so that if anybody's listening that's not familiar with human design, we are having an episode on it. I think it'll probably come out after Kelsey's episode because we're going to be talking about self-love today in concert with Valentine's Day. So, Kelsey, let's talk a bit about self-love because as I was mentioning earlier in the conversation, I really wanted to have this conversation around Valentine's Day because we we talk about love on Valentine's Day. You give Valentine's, you give gifts, you get candy, you get flowers, you tell people in your life that you love them. But in my opinion, we forget the most important person on the list when we're thinking about Valentine's Day, and that's ourselves. Why is self-love so, so, so important? Yeah, so it's interesting. First, I want to establish something about self-love, and this is going to help a lot of people with it. So I think a lot of us like feel in our hearts that it's important. We've been hearing that it's important. We're like, okay, I need to have better self-care. I need to love myself more. But like, how? You know, that's where the disconnect is. Like, I don't really know Mm -hmm. what that looks like. That hasn't really been modeled to me. Society's told me that it's narcissistic to love myself or that I should put everyone else before myself or that's how I find value in the world or whatever it is. We all have our blockages to self-love, right? But self-love, I think a lot of us interpret it as I need to like everything about myself in order to love myself. And because I don't, I'm not going to love myself. We think of love in the way that we use it with like pizza like I love pizza I love sexy cars I love whatever it is that you love I love my house but it's it's different than just a next level like yes it's good to like and appreciate things about yourself but you don't necessarily have to like everything about yourself in order to love yourself and show yourself love to love yourself is to express love towards you which could be in the form of having compassion which could be in the form of getting to know yourself better, understanding yourself more deeply, which could be in honoring your desires because you love yourself and you want you to go for what you want, you know? So Mm -hmm. self-love can be expressed in so many ways. And I think we just tie it too much to like liking ourselves and liking things about ourselves when that's not necessary in order to love yourself deeply and fully. Because for example, I don't like that I have a part of me that's like always anxious. I tend to be a nervous Nelly. I've always had some relationship (laughs) with anxiety growing up, which I'm sure a lot of people can relate to. And once I realized 
that that part of me was just trying to protect me from bad things happening or trying to protect me from getting blindsided or trying to prepare me, I came to understand this part of myself and realize, oh, she's on my side. She's trying to help me even if I don't like how, right? I don't like her, but I love her and appreciate her for trying to help me for the pure positive intention behind the anxiety. So it's like when you go deeper into every part of yourself, you realize that it's for you. It's impossible for you to be against yourself. And then you can come around to loving it, even if you don't necessarily always like it. In the same way, like maybe you're super annoyed with your sibling and you don't like them right now. You don't want to hang out with them, but like you love them because they're your sibling. Right, right. Yeah, I, I love that clarification because we do get caught up in what is it and how do I even show it? And one of the things that came to mind when you were talking is that sometimes we might actually be like, you know, I, I do love myself. I don't have a problem with self-love, but then our actions say otherwise. Right. And, and so, and then what you do is you put everybody's needs above yours and you're the one that falls off the list every single time. And so I think we need to figure out back to if we can agree that it's important, we also have to realize that it's not just an idea. It's a practice. Right. What are, you, what are your thoughts on that, Kelsey? Yeah, well, you bring up such a good point because I bet a lot of people listening to this are into personal development. And if you ask them, do you love yourself? They'd be like, yeah, I love myself. I'm cool. I'm great. I help people. I do these amazing things in the world. Like I used to think that all the time. But then like you're saying, the actions are not reflecting accurately. Like you're not treating yourself the way you would, like maybe your child who you love or your pet who you love or your spouse who you love. And there's some sort of disconnect where it's like, everyone else somehow became more important than you. Mm -hmm. And that I think comes from society. It comes from programming. It comes from our parents. It comes from our school. Just growing up, you're taught be selfless, serve others. And people find so much value in that, that sometimes they get lost in it. And it's not to say that you shouldn't serve others and be selfless and add value to the world, but it's don't make other people more important than you. If you're placing everybody else up here and you're down here, that's one person less in the world that you could be helping, right? You could be helping yourself. So maybe if we make everyone of equal importance, then mm -hmm. you're important. Everyone else is also important. And the more you love yourself, if you really are a selfless person, you can better serve everyone in your life and in your community when your cup is full. It's like that famous mm -hmm. analogy of pouring from an empty yeah. cup, right? What do you have to give if you're running on empty? And another perspective I like to offer with this is I was just talking to a lady who coaches nurses and she was like, oh, nurses are so bad at self-love and self-care. You have no idea. We don't eat. We take these long shifts. We overwork. We're stressed out, all this stuff. And I was like, man, that is so ironic because these people like, love people and they're trying to help people, right? And it's, you're not, if you're a martyr, you have to think of this math. If you are trying to help someone else, but you have to do it at your own expense, then mathematically, you didn't really help a person. You just kind of swapped the pain. But there's not 
one more person in the world that was helped. It was just now you help that person, but you hurt yourself. So it's just like an exchange, but not really added value to the world, if that makes sense. So you have to think of it like, yes, I want to help others, but how can I help myself first and then help them? How can I love myself more deeply? And that makes love your heart more expanded. It makes your ability to love others easier, bigger, more impactful. So the people who are so about others and not themselves, it's just kind of questioning that and getting curious. Hmm, what is the blockage there? Why am I putting myself last? Why do I not deserve my own love the way that I so freely give it to everybody else? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that that is an excellent question because there there is a reason. And sometimes we might get caught up in the idea of we get lost in the busyness. My podcast listeners are women and we have a lot on our plates. We have kids, we have careers, we have friends, we have husbands, we have a lot to do. And so I, sometimes I don't think it's a person thinking it's not that you don't love yourself. It's that sometimes we just get lost in the shuffle. Yeah, you just and forget so to prioritize. Forget to prioritize. And then we we actually don't know what we need because we're we're so busy. We're not even asking ourselves what do we need. And so when I was having a conversation with somebody else, this idea came up because it, it was so useful to me. But one in my opinion, one of the first acts of self-love you can do is just listen to yourself. Hmm. Take a couple minutes a day and just be with yourself and hear what you need because we it's not like you're actively blocking it it's just that you're so busy yeah. and you haven't yeah. intentionally created a space to hear it yeah that's a really really good tip and i'm gonna give a practice around this tip so what mm -hmm. everyone can do especially if you're someone that's listening and you're like oh yeah that's me i always forget <laughs> yeah i do love myself i want to love myself but how do i practice this in daily life and actually execute it. And you can start with just sitting with yourself a few moments throughout the day, maybe once in the afternoon when everything's crazy, just take a moment to check in, even set a reminder on your phone if that's helpful in the morning before you go to bed, just a couple check ins throughout the day it takes two minutes. And you can ask yourself just take a few deep breaths and ask, what do I need like how you asked. And then also pose the question, like in this moment, in this instance today, no matter what decision you're trying to make, what would someone who loves themselves do? And whenever you ask that question, don't overthink it. Just go with what your intuition says. So if you're looking for lunch in the fridge and you're like, okay, I don't know what I'm going to eat today, but I'm on this self-love train. What would someone who loves themselves do? Maybe it is the mac and cheese. Maybe it is the salad. Like just go with your first intuition, follow that. And that question if you live your life according to that question you'll easily become a self-loving person but it's just not forgetting to ask so making a habit out of asking yourself that question and asking yourself yeah what do I need what do I prefer and this is a lot of the reason why I teach people to be in touch with their emotions because your emotions are always trying to tell you what you need but sometimes they're so uncomfortable we don't want to be in it so then we don't get the message from the emotion and we don't know what we need <laughs> So that's, yeah. that's a little bit more of a deeper piece, but just on the daily, checking in with your needs, fulfilling them for yourself is an act of self-love, 
asking for your needs to be fulfilled by your partner, your kids, or your babysitter, your support. That's an act of self-love. I mean, there are a million ways to do the art of self-love, right? To practice it, to do it for yourself. And that's a really good place to start. Yeah, what a beautiful practice. If we could go back to some of the benefits a little bit. Yeah. You mentioned the, the analogy or the story that's often told around filling up your own cup and before you go in and pour into somebody else's. And it's so true. It's, there are so many reasons why you should love yourself. And it's, okay, you will be better at everything that you do if you just take that space for yourself. So if you just practice that self-love for yourself first. And so maybe you're not even starting it out thinking, okay, this is for me. This is for other people. And how could I best serve them is by serving myself. But then also there is so much there if you can learn to deeply love yourself. What are some of the things that you've seen with people shift when they start to really love themselves and do the actions that show it? Yeah. So I'm glad you brought it back to the basics here because for anyone who needs that like reminder or maybe that extra push, I think this is going to be really good. So I've written, like you said, the book called, it's actually called the mini book of self-love for the modern woman because it's only 40 pages. And people who have read it and go through the processes that I write about in there, they usually write back to me and tell me that they have more inner peace because a lot of loving yourself is just having compassion, being patient, having understanding, allowing yourself to be where you are, allowing yourself to feel how you feel, just loving yourself through it all. Like the act of just unconditionally hugging yourself, energetically speaking. So people find a lot of inner peace when they practice more self-love. They also find a lot more confidence because they're focusing on their value and the value that they bring to the world. Their relationships get better because your relationship with yourself kind of sets the tone for all other relationships in your life. And if we really think about it, life is literally just a series of relationships. We have a relationship to the people in our lives. We have a relationship to work. We have a relationship to social media, to our homes, to our cars, to food. Like everything is a relationship. So when you can master the one with yourself, or at least even just improve it, all the relationships around you elevate and become improved too. And on that topic, a lot of what happens when you start to love yourself more, energetically speaking, you raise your vibration and you become a vibrational match to better feeling circumstances, relationships, people, opportunities. So it's kind of like the ultimate manifestation hack, which is why it goes hand in hand with what I teach about manifesting. Like self-love is the way <laughs> if you want to manifest okay. what you want. And think of it this way. One of the biggest manifestation blockages that people have is that they don't feel worthy or they don't feel that their dream is possible for them. So they don't even try. But when you love yourself, you work through those worthiness issues. You reclaim your worthiness that was always there. It didn't go anywhere, but you just perceived that you weren't, right? And when you reclaim that, then you feel deserving again. And then when you feel deserving, you go for what you want. You ask for what you need. Like, Everything in your life can literally get better when you love yourself. And I've seen this over and over with people who have read that book. People who have gone through my course. I have a course 
on radical self-love that gives like all the practices that I think are the best self-love practices. And that literally just changes every aspect of your life. I don't really know how else to hype it up more except for saying that (laughs) self-love. That's kind of like the energetic (laughs) cheat code to everything you want on the other side. Because a lot of, if you want to define like a self-loving person, there are a lot of ways, but I would overarch it as like, Somebody who loves themselves really cares about how they feel. So if you care about how you feel, you're going to go for better feeling things, experiences, thoughts, emotions, a life that feels good to you, that feels in alignment to you. And another big trait of people who love themselves is that they take positive ownership of themselves in the same way that you would take positive ownership of your kid or your pet or your spouse. Like not I own you, but I'm your caretaker. I'm your guardian. Your well-being is my well-being. If you're sad, I'm sad. That type of energy, it's doing that for you, which a lot of people have lost sight of. So just thinking of the way that you treat the people that you love, how do you express love to them? And then just do that for yourself. That's one of the easiest Mm -hmm. ways to get started. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. It's it's so important. And the question I have is you mentioned worthiness. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious if you have any tips around what a person can do if they're like, okay, Kelsey, I'm interested in loving myself more, but I do have worthiness issues that have come up. Like what what can that person do? Yeah, well, if this person was like my client, for example, I would probably ask them to get curious about the worthiness blockage and let's see like when it started. Because babies don't feel unworthy, right? They're like, give me Mm -hmm. food, change my diaper. They feel very like worthy and entitled to what they need. But then somewhere along the way that gets lost. So what happened? And can you remember what happened? Or at least like, when you started developing this thought track of I'm not worthy because maybe your parents went through a divorce and then when you're a kid you're so like narcissistic in the most genuine way everything revolves around you so you make it about you and then you're like Mm -hmm. oh if I was better my parents would have stayed together and so I'm not worthy of whatever right so usually these beliefs that we're not worthy they come when we're younger and we can't like make sense of things Or if our inner child is kind of running the show in our mind and we just subconsciously come to that conclusion when something bad happens, right? Oh, it didn't happen. Mm -hmm. That must mean that I'm not worthy. Or that guy was mean to me, which must mean that I'm a piece of whatever. But it doesn't actually mean that. We just subconsciously come to these conclusions. So I would challenge people to ask themselves the question and just reflect back on when did I start to feel unworthy or when was the biggest time I felt the most unworthy or when did I start like just feeling in general that I wasn't enough or that I wasn't worthy or that I wasn't lovable there's different variations of the unworthiness wound Mm -hmm. and then once you can start to kind of feel into that with compassion and openness we're just being curious we're not judging our experience we're not going back into it and getting upset again we're just like hmm let's get curious let's see and from there You can start to gain some clarity like, oh, yeah, I made that experience mean that I wasn't worthy or I interpreted that as I'm not enough or this pattern kept happening to me. And so I made it mean that 
people don't love me or whatever. And so when you can get curious and kind of start to connect the dots, it makes it a lot easier to unconnect the dots and be like, okay, this happened to me. But really, it doesn't mean that I'm not worthy. It just means that that happened to me. Bad things happen to good people. It doesn't mean you're a bad yeah. person, right? So you kind of have to redefine the story that you subconsciously defined so long ago. Or maybe it was recently. Maybe it was just a breakup or something that happened where you're like, oh, I'm, I'm not worthy of love or I'm not worthy of money or whatever it is. So going back in time and trying to find kind of that start point is really helpful. But if you can't, just kind of getting to the root of, well, if you think other people are worthy, which most people do, they would say, oh, that person's worthy, but not me. That person's worthy, but not me. Like, why not you? What yeah, makes you, you so special in a negative way that you're somehow the one that's not worthy, but everybody else is worthy? Like, did you murder someone? Probably not. And even if you did, yeah. like some would argue that you're still worthy. So, I mean, it's just really asking those philosophical questions of like, why not me? Why do I think everybody's worthy except me? And then just getting curious about that. Hmm. Yeah, that would be a great, a great start. I love the idea of curiosity. And I think where sometimes we get caught up in, in kind of going through and in, in doing some of this work about our prior experiences is, is we miss the compassion piece. And we're, yeah. we get there and we're reliving it and we're like overwhelmed. <laughs> but, but yeah, just... We're just curious. We're just observing. We're just trying to understand what happened and and just kind of look at it from a little bit of a distance, how you would look at it if it was somebody else's experience. Um, right. Mm -hmm. So I want to shift gears a bit, Kelsey. I'm curious mm -hmm. about your take on affirmation. It's something that I think is important and I do my own affirmations and I think they can be quite powerful and I know some people aren't into it, but what is your viewpoint on affirmations? Do they work? How could we do them right? Like all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So I do think that affirmations work when they either make you feel a sense of relief or expansion. And I say relief or expansion because not all affirmations are meant to make you feel like zing. Some are just meant to help you get out of the hole that you're mentally or emotionally in. So my first book was actually all about this called Hashtag Actually I Can. And the subtitle is The Art of Affirming Yourself to Greatness. Because I believe affirmations are an art and a skill where the old fake it till you make it approach, I don't like it. Like the 80s vibe of I'm a millionaire, just say it a million times until you are a millionaire. That does feel good for some people. But for most people, if they're not actually a millionaire, they're going to feel like a liar. They're going to feel like a fraud. They're going to have imposter syndrome. They're going to just have an internal disconnect and it's not going to feel good and it's not going to help them to become a millionaire, right? In this example. Yeah. So what you have to do with affirmations is find the verbiage and the wording that makes you feel open and expansive or at least relieved that brings you up a little bit in mood or vibration that is still like authentic to where you are now, but opens you and like fast forwards you into where you want to go. So let's say if you're single on Valentine's Day and you're like, man, I would love to have a relationship instead of saying I'm in a loving, committed relationship. And then you feel dumb. because You're like, I wish I was in a loving, committed relationship. You would say. 
an affirmation that's I'm open to meeting my person. I'm really excited to meet my soulmate soon. I am preparing myself to be in the best relationship I've ever been in. I am loving the the you know what out of myself and I can't wait for my partner to do the same. So it's like, yes, you're keeping it in the present tense, but it's more real and it's more fun and it's more accessible and it's more open. It's just opening you to the possibilities that you want versus saying that this is so right now and that doesn't work for most people. Yeah, yeah. I I completely agree with there is a bridge that needs to be created and depending on how negative your beliefs are that the actual bridge belief might just be I'm open to the idea that I could possibly be in a relationship that is just it's a kind of turning yourself around slowly but surely into the direction that you want and because our mind and is so powerful as you start to make that shift you will start to feel the difference and see the difference what what is your recommendation in terms of how often should we affirm ourselves and is this like a daily thing a three times a day thing what what are we doing here yeah so the practice of affirmation so if you think about it we're kind of like always affirming ourselves but is it for better or worse right Mm -hmm, so whatever mm -hmm. you're saying about yourself in your head or whatever you're saying about your life in your head is an affirmation you're saying this is true this is reality this is it so it's really noticing that you're already doing that and then making sure that you're being selective and choosy about the thoughts you want to program yourself with and the affirmations you want to affirm, right? If you're like, oh, I suck at this thing, you could be like, oh, I'm noticing that I'm making an affirmation about this. I don't want that to be like, I don't need to reinforce that I suck at this thing, right? Maybe I do, but I don't need to say it in my head. So I could shift, I could notice, and I could shift, you know, I really want to get better at this thing. I'm open to being better at this. I'm ready to practice this more, whatever it is. So it's like catching yourself in the moment, which is all day, every day. Or what I think more of your question was too, but I just want to get that out of the way, mm-hmm. is like intentionally practicing the affirmations. And there's so many fun ways to do it. So if you're a meditator, you can pick an affirmation for the day. You can meditate on it. If you're a journaler, I like first thing in the morning to just open your journal write down a list of affirmations that feel good in that moment. Today is going to be a great day. I woke up on the right side of the bed. I'm feeling really good. Whatever it is, going into some affirmations there. I also sometimes have my students and my coaching clients like set little affirmations on their phone and they'll go off throughout the day. So whether it's I love you or I'm great at this or life is good or whatever the affirmation is that you just want to keep repeating. It'll just go off like when you're doing stuff. and Oh, yeah, you just have that little reminder. So it's really as much or as little as you want to play with them. Like it's your affirmation practice. So there's like a million ways to work with affirmations. So I would say just play around and you don't have to be rigid with it. Oh, I have to do morning, afternoon, night. Just find the time that works for you. And throughout the day, just watch your thoughts. Yeah, I want to double down on what you brought up earlier, which is that we are already affirming ourselves. And what's cool about it is that when you're intentionally deciding these are the things I want to affirm, you get to change your narrative in your head. And and in a lot of cases, that will change your life. 
if you're consistent with it, if you believe it, if you if you dedicate yourself to to making it happen. And so it's like if you're already doing this in your brain, might as well decide what it's going to what you're going to tell yourself in the future. And our our brain doesn't know truth from not truth. It doesn't. If you if you visualize something, it, your brain thinks it's real. The neural pathways in your brain are created, and it think it they it thinks it really happened. And so that's how powerful it is to decide. Hey, yeah, I, this is how I think now, but actually, I can think this way in in the future, and I can start now. And to your point, a belief is just a thought you keep thinking. So mm-hmm. any belief that you have, you can change it by thinking a new thought over and over and over and finding supporting evidence of the new and kind of deconstructing the old. And I wanted to say my co-host of my podcast, High Vibe in It, she's a hypnotherapist. Her name's Lindsay Robinson. She's awesome. And she taught me, she always says that your most programmable voice, your most susceptible hypnosis wise to your own thoughts and your own voice and your own words. So yes, other people can program you and put stuff in your head, but ultimately you're the most powerful for you. So whether you're recording affirmations in your voice, whatever you're saying in your head, and I wanted to add what you're speaking out loud to other people, like the way you talk about yourself, the way you talk about your life is muy importante. So just take (laughs) note. And if you want it to be better, make it better. But you have to notice first, like what it is that you're saying, what it is that you're speaking, what it is that you're thinking. And then be like, okay, does that make me feel the best I could feel about this? Maybe not. Okay, let's shift it. How can we shift it so I feel at least more relaxed or more relief or more expansion or more excitement, whatever it is that you're going for with that affirmation? Yeah, it's. I'm glad you brought that up. It, it is so true. And we can shift it and I don't want people to get bogged down when you hear a negative thought and beat yourself up again about it. No, it, you get to decide and you can think, yeah, I used to think that, but now I think this. Now I love that. I kind of shift like, into you used to could be five minutes ago, too. I yeah, used, used to think to about myself so two seconds ago, ago, but now I don't. Right now, that was the old me from two seconds ago. Yeah. I don't say that about myself anymore, starting now. That's great. Let's co-create a uh, affirmation for our listeners today that they can use to start to think about expanding their self-love and focusing on their well-being. So when I was just thinking about it a minute ago, I was thinking something around, I'm open to expanding the love for myself and spending more time on my well-being or something like that. Yeah. Um, What comes Um, to mind for you? Yeah, we can just rattle them off. What comes to mind for me would be something along the lines of, I'm excited to receive my own love. I'm excited to receive my own gifts. I'm excited to receive my own warmth and appreciation. Like things that you give to other people, think about giving them to yourself like, oh, that would feel nice. That would feel juicy. Like I'm excited to start doing that more. That's a good one. Oh, I love that one. I love it because it is exciting, right? I mean, we... We, if you can imagine the love we all pour on out on everybody else and the power that would feel if you actually turned it around and focused it in on yourself, wow, that, that would feel amazing. Well, I want to start to wrap this up, Kelsey. We're running out of time and I feel like I could talk to you for hours, but do you have any last closing thoughts or 
pep talk you want to give to our listeners around self-love, affirmations, anything in your field of expertise? Yeah, let me see. Let me tune in and see exactly the message that your audience needs. Okay, the first thing that's coming through is that it's natural to love yourself. So don't feel like so bombarded by the process of, oh my God, such a chore. I don't know how. Like, that's your natural instinct. So we're just undoing some bad habits and coming back into your natural flow of self-love. So that's the first thing. It's natural. Don't get discouraged. Don't get overwhelmed. Like, to love yourself is natural. And also to do actually what you were saying earlier, which is to just spend more time with yourself, listening to what you need, what you like, what you want, what would feel good for you. Just allow yourself that permission. I think the strongest uh, energy that's coming through right now is give yourself permission to love yourself. Give yourself Mm. permission to spend more time with yourself. Give yourself permission to ask for what you need. Give yourself permission Mm. to go for what you want. Like only you can give yourself that permission. And that is one of the most self-loving things you can do. Mm. Thank you so much for that, Kelsey. It's so powerful. What came through to me was give yourself permission to have more space for yourself. And so that you have the time to do all of what Kelsey just said. So thank you so much, Kelsey. Where can listeners find you online, learn more about you, your work, your books? Yeah, so people can find me at KelseyAida.com. That's my website. That's where where you'll find the mini book of self-love, which is like a great place to start. You'll also find my Radical Self-Love course there, which is also an awesome life-changing thing. I host self-love retreats for women. I don't have one on the books yet, but I am starting a wait list. So that's where you'll find that. So lots of self-love resources and opportunities there. And then my podcast, High Vibe In It, we're always talking about self-love. We have hundreds of episodes. A bunch of them are dedicated to self-love, self-care. So that's a great free resource. And I'm just Kelsey Aida on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, everywhere. You can find me posting about manifesting self-love so yeah just search kelsey aida well thank you so much for your time your energy your vibe and i appreciate you so much thank you kelsey yeah thank you it's been fun thank you so much for listening to this episode if you've enjoyed it i would love for you to subscribe if you're already a subscriber don't forget to share the podcast with a friend make sure to tune in next week We will be speaking with Jennifer McCollum about the leadership lessons that she has learned on her path to becoming a sought-after CEO. I hope you have an amazing week. It's your time to shine. Bye.